Hi, I'm Mark Olson, and this is The Real, a podcast where culture and entertainment meet. I write about movies here at The Times, and like most anyone these days, I also watch more than a little television. Between movies and TV, a frequent topic of conversation among my colleagues here on the entertainment staff is how tough it is for any of us to just keep up. So this is a show about the stuff that we're watching and how we watch it. We're recording this week's episode on the morning after this year's Emmys ceremony, having taken in not only all the awards, so many awards, but also all the takes, so many takes. To make sense of it all, we undid our cummerbunds and kicked off our heels, and I was joined by Times TV writer Yvonne Villarreal, TV critic Lorraine Ali, and awards writer Glenn Whip to talk about the feelings of the evening, what it means about the state of television, that surprise marriage proposal, and the enduring enigma that is Teddy Perkins. Let's listen in. And now, maybe one way to get started talking about the Emmy broadcast, it seems like there were sort of two trying to make sense of all the takes that came out of the broadcast last night. And there are just so many takes that it seems like there were a couple different main topics of conversation. And, and the first one, I think, was, no surprise, diversity, representation, and inclusion. And that both in the show itself, there was a lot of conversation about diversity. It was sort of the joke of an opening musical number. And then in a lot of the nominees and the build-up to the show, it seemed like this was going to be maybe the most diverse Emmys ever. But then award after award went to people who had won before, and those people were white. And so wh what does that kind of mean in regards to the Emmys overall, that they you know, were moving towards something that seemed more inclusive, but then maybe stumbled with the actual winners? Glenn, how, how did you feel about that? I will say that um, you can look at that and be disappointed from an inclusiveness point of view. And you can also look at all those Emmys that the marvelous Mrs. Maisel went over Atlanta and be disappointed from the point of view of just good taste. Lorraine, I know, I know you have strong feelings about marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well, but <laughs> how did you feel about sort of the inclusion representation overall in the awards last night? Well, I thought it was interesting because, you know, they did start it off with that whole musical number, just, you know, spoofing essentially on, hey, look, we've solved it. You know, we've fixed the problem. Ha ha ha. And then joke after joke was, you know, about diversity inclusion. And when you looked at the nominees, they were some of the, I think it possibly was the most diverse here. That's what they said anyway about the nominees. And then when win after win was coming in, that wasn't the case. Now, I mean, I agree with Glenn in a way that a lot of it had to do with taste that was disappointing. But also, I think voters just chose safe choices in a way, or they chose the familiar over things that I felt were more topical, that were more fresh, that spoke about, you know, what's going on in culture today, such as Atlanta, even Blackish, you know, for something that was like a 1950s throwback, you know, but the, they, they chose something that was a throwback to the 1950s. You know, and you could also say in, you know, the top drama category, they chose Game of Thrones, which is a great show. But Except it's, this season. Yeah, well, I don't know. I disagree with you on that. Okay. But fantasy over yeah. Handmaid's Tale, which I would say this season was possibly one of the most prescient and hard-hitting shows out there. But people thought it was too dark, no? They thought that was going to hurt it? They did. They did think that it was too dark, but I think... We're living in dark times for the people who, to me who are complaining about handmaids being too dark and going on for too long and this 
you know, misery. Well, sometimes misery takes a while to get through. And we're kind of living that right now to me. But I mean, Lorraine is absolutely right. They went for very safe, you know, enjoyable shows, escapist shows to a point over something like Atlanta, which was dealing with hard realities of life in America right now, our, our handmaids, which is hard realities in a America kind of parallel. Did any of the acting categories surprise you, the selections? Did you view all Claire- of them? Yeah. Almost. I would Almost say all of them. Uh, right. Um, Bill Hader for Barry. I was really surprised by that. But I like that one, actually. I, I did, too. I did, too. And Henry Winkler, I was, I don't know if that I was surprised. I was just really happy that that happened. Yeah. When, when Winkler won the first Emmy of the night, I was tempted to tweet out, this is going to be the high point of the evening. But then I was thinking, nah, you know, maybe it'll be cool when Donald Glover wins or the series wins. And it turns out, I think it would have been incredibly cool if Atlanta won series for a number of reasons, one of which being that Teddy Perkins would have gone on stage. Matthew Reese? Matthew or- Reese. I had pre- that's I got so many predictions wrong this year, but that Matthew Reese was one that I actually got right. And I it was just like looking at it thinking it just felt like they were going to reward the Americans with something beyond you know, only two Emmys in its five years previous, both for Margot Martindale. And this year, the writing of that finale was so good, it was hard to deny that Emmy, which they won. And then Matthew Reese, I mean, you could say Carrie Russell, both of them deserved Emmys. Well, a lot of people were like, I mean, just from where I was sitting, there was a tone of shock mm-hmm. when lead actress was read, like, like not expecting that outcome. No. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So that was the lead actress category drama. It went to Claire Foy for The Crown. Last year, Elizabeth Moss had won. I think they're, in some ways, I think she was considered a favorite to win this year. But then there also, Sandra Oh was nominated in that category for Killing Eve. Sandra Oh, who was there with her parents, her mother, who was sitting next to her, really kind of became like a star of the night. There were a lot of great cutaways to her. Yeah, her mom was like the star. Everyone was so happy to see and her. so did you feel that in the room? Yvonne, you were there at the ceremony. You were in the room as it was happening. Tell me a little bit about that moment. Like, Do you think people thought Elizabeth Moss was going to get it? Was there a feeling that Sandra was going to get it? Yeah, I couldn't really tell like who they thought, but it was there was... I did sense like shock that it's Claire Foy. Not that she's not deserving. She gave a great performance as Queen Elizabeth II, and this was her final year doing that. So, but yeah, it was just... I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it an upset, but it was just a stunned sort of reaction, just in my little area. I wasn't in the trenches with the nominees. I was sort of higher up. So, But I would say the production itself was really sort of, as award shows go and as Emmys go, I would say it was pretty substandard. I mean, I I felt like it, it played out like a kind of mediocre SNL. You know, the way Which that it was every put together. episode of SNL, pretty much. <laughs> but the way that it was put together, and it just seemed like there was very little effort that went into some of the little skits on stage, whether it was Fred Armisen and um, Maya Rudolph or um, even the opening monologue by the hosts. I, it just kind of felt like, you know, well, not that many people watch the Emmys now. We don't have to put a lot of effort into it. And not that many people did watch the Emmys, you know, as it turns out. And also, you know, it was produced by um, 
Lauren Michaels, of, 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 who won an Emmy throughout the, during the night for his production on Saturday Night Live. So there's some sort of just insane showbiz irony of him in the midst of doing this terrible job of producing the Emmys, wins an award for his production work on Saturday Night Live. Right. And then when he gets up and talks about it, he's, you know, he's also got the defense of like, see, you know, broadcast networks still matter. It was the sad little defense of Last Stand. Well, it was one of only two awards, I think, won by a broadcast network on the broadcast last night. That's right. But I will say, in the lobby, and they chose to speak off the record, several actors, because when I asked, what do you think of this show so far, all wanted to speak off the record, because, well, they didn't want their names mentioned, so not off the record. But the by and large, the reaction was, it's really boring. Well, do you think that Colin Jost and Michael Che, the hosts of the show, were just a bad choice that they, for whatever, I mean, say what you will, it was the first Emmy ceremony in what we will now call the Me Too era. And so maybe having two kind of slacker dudes, like being the host, wasn't the greatest idea in the first place. Yeah, they were not like too thrilled to be doing the show. And that so came through in the energy level of their hosting. It was like Lauren assigned them the show. They didn't really want to do it, and they were treating it like a like a crappy night at work. Yeah, she it's like a Wesley Jones, right? Because she Just loves for her TV. reaction. Look she at her, right? TV. I mean, and, and the last woman to host, I think, was Jane Lynch, and I think that was almost ten years ago. And if you look at the history of hosts with the Emmys. I think there's only something like three women, maybe four, possibly three. Every so years. Right, who've done it on their own. In other words, there's been co-hosts where, you know, there's been one woman with a lot of men. But even there, it's very, very slim. I'm just surprised, right? Why did they pull them in? They weren't particularly dynamic. And they did look like, you know, they were kind of dragging their feet like disgruntled teens. Like, okay, dad's making us do this. And that's what it felt like. But even with this, I mean... With this production team, I don't know that anyone would have succeeded. I spent the weekend binge-watching Forever, the Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph show, and it was, like, disorienting to see them so mishandled, so so poorly, you know, delivering on comedy. Right, because... Which is basically saying they weren't funny. So poorly delivering on comedy, but, yeah, it was just... It was really disorienting to see them not work together on the Emmys. Because you're like, Fred and Maya, cool. And then it's like, oh, no, not again. They're back. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, how hard is it to make them not funny? It's pretty hard. (laughs) You have to put on a pretty dull show. And I think the other kind of big takeaway that people were talking about, as we kind of mentioned, was this essentially HBO versus Netflix, but then also with the sort of parenthetical of Wither Broadcast Television. And actually, The Hollywood Reporter, they had a headline that said, Broadcast TV airs own funeral. And now, Glenn, do you feel like that's an accurate depiction of of what your kind of takeaway would be from the awards last night? I mean, that feels like a headline from four years ago. I mean, because broadcast networks haven't done well at the Emmys for a long time. I mean... So, no, I, I, it's not something I think about. It's certainly, and I don't think it's necessarily something that people watching the Emmys think about. I think probably most people watching the Emmys watch a lot of TV. That's certainly what I get from people who email me after the show. So, um, I mean, it's certainly not a new thing that broadcast networks don't win many Emmys. 
Modern Family was like the last broadcast network show that was like an Emmy powerhouse. But I would say it's interesting that Emmy voters still gravitated towards shows that felt broadcasty networky. That felt they still gravitated towards shows that felt as if they were broadcast network series. I would argue that Mrs. Maisel is pretty much kind of like a standard, you know, broadcast series, just with more nudity, a little more, you know, more swear words, more cursing. But really, it's that kind of formula. So it's, it's that girl. It's that girl <laughs> updated, you know. But I would say, so they still kind of pine for that familiarity and also that kind of safety of, you know, that kind of series structure. But overall, yeah, when you look at everything that's out there, and I think the Emmys, like viewers, is grappling with how to deal with this amount of programming with so much out there. And, you know, last night was a really good example of just totally losing your way. I would say just in terms of what was winning, but also just the production itself, it was just had no idea what to do with all this material. And there was so much there. Tell me more about that, Lorraine. The, the the fact that the way that voters themselves seem unable to sort of grapple with the volume of content out there, it's, I guess one thing that might be a part of that is that there wasn't a show that sort of ran away with the night, as many awards as Marvelous Mrs. Maisel did win, that, I mean, is that show that, you know, viewers themselves are like, really like TV's more of a buffet now that you're getting all these little samples of things? I mean, to come back to Claire Foy, the idea that the crown sort of takes really one of the bigger prizes of the night, you know, dramatic actress, but doesn't necessarily take writing, directing. It did you know, win the, direct. Oh, did it? Oh. Yeah. What do you think that means as the reflection of the sort of the survey of awards in regards to like how much content people are having to wade through? Well, I think it means they're jumping around. I think it means, you know, voters are stretched thin like viewers are. And, you know, they're trying to get through all this stuff. And, and you're talking about a really far flung diverse, wide array of subject matter, of the way that these, you know, productions, for instance, is Atlanta really a comedy? Or is it not? You know, there was a question last night, like, what even is a comedy anymore? So I think it's the idea of like, okay, well, we're just trying to figure out what's what. And also, you have to factor in all the lobbying that went on, all the campaigning that went on, because that's just gotten more and more fierce every year. Right. And you Right. And you don't, you guys could probably speak more to that, but you just don't know who was pushing the hardest in the background. And with that, we're going to take a short break. The L.A. Film Festival presents a -a once-in-a-lifetime live event celebrating the film Echo in the Canyon, which celebrates musical contributions from bands like the Beach Boys and Buffalo Springfield. The event features live musical performances from the stars, including Jacob Dylan. See it tonight, September 20th at 8 p.m. at the Ford Theaters and get your tickets at LAFilmFestival.com. And we're back. And now, Yvonne, sort of on the topic of too much TV, that was actually a question you were asking people on the red carpet. And what kind of responses were you getting? And did you feel like the talent themselves, how did they respond when you asked them that question? Well, it's probably like a self-serving question. Like, no, there's not. I have a job. But like Issa Rae was sort of like, that's like saying there's too many books. Like, it's a good problem to have. But she's like, of course, I can't get through all of them. And my favorite response was from Ann Dowd, who said, breathe and choose. 
all that you really can do, right? <laughs> She's great. Such wisdom. And now I want to be sure that we talk about maybe some of the high points of the evening. Lorraine, you sort of alluded to Hannah Gadsby, who presented an award and basically gave sort of an extension of her Nanette uh, performance where she she asked the question of what are jokes these days? And do you feel like, first of all, do you think it was a surprise that she was a presenter? And do you feel like that her speech kind of had an impact on people? I did feel like it was a surprise that she was a presenter, a, a pleasant surprise, because when she came out, it almost felt like there was excitement. There was something new. There was something fresh. There was something that didn't have that kind of subdued, mediocre SNL stamp on it. And, you know, she has, outside of this award structure, pissed off a lot of older male comics. And many of them, that would be the SNL world. She pissed off Michael Che. Well, well, not pissed him off, but ah. she, Michael Che came out on his Instagram calling out, I like my stand-up to be funny, you know. <gasps> and so... Think about just those few minutes that she was on the stage compared to the rest of the show. And going back to what you were saying earlier, Lorraine, how what a breath of fresh air it would have been for her to say host the show. That would have been incredible. Right. I mean, that was, you know, I barely tweeted because I was writing, but that was one of the things I (laughs) tweeted was like next year she's hosting because it really was, I think, of the high points of that show and there weren't many. She was the top. And Yvonne, was there a response to her? In the room, did people even necessarily know who she was? Oh, yeah. People knew who she was. I It was good response. It wasn't like, mm, no. People responded well to her. Yeah. And now maybe the, the biggest surprise of the night, all winners aside, would be the proposal of uh, Oscars director Glenn Weiss, who won uh, an award for variety show directing. And he took the moment to propose to his girlfriend from the stage. And now, Yvonne, how did that play in the room? I think we were all like Sterling K. Brown during that (laughs) moment, who was like, and Benedict Cumberbatch, who was like clapping and And so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie Jones. Everyone got up from their seats and everyone was trying to take video of this moment. But I know it played like people had their different takes on it. (laughs) Well, Claire Foy cried. She Mm -hmm. looked as if she was crying that the queen was dabbing her her tear. (laughs) But now, Lorraine, is that the kind of spontaneity that you wish there could be more of in an award show? Well, I have to say, I, I kind of found it a little problematic because really, what was she going to say? Yeah, no, I need a little more time to think. You I know. mean, if she did, that would be amazing. <laughs> but, it would, but the pressure. But what if she just really loves him? She was so happy. Stop raining on this parade. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, raining that's what i do that's my job plan i keep wondering about it from simply a practical production standpoint he referred to the director of the emmy show and was like i'm gonna take a minute no one else probably would know that director's name be able to get away with that and i keep asking myself the question if this happened at glenn weiss's oscars would he he have played them (laughs) off would he have allowed that to occur at at an oscar show he was directing maybe he knew they were good on time they weren't running late That's on the beautiful. show. No, I mean, he's going to have to allow it. <laughs> now he's opened up that door and he's going to be sorry. Well, that's the funny thing is that the Oscars next year, they're eliminating like eight categories on the broadcast. They're going to be like below the line categories. But this was an example of often those quote unquote below the line or crafts categories. The winners often give 
the night's most memorable moments. Also, some of the other w- winners that I want to be sure that we talk about. I know we'd, we'd mentioned Henry Winkler, but I want to be sure that we talk about Sandy Newton, that she gave a terrific speech that a lot of people were talking about after the show. And was that expected? Was, a, was it a surprise that she won that, that award? It was a surprise, I think, for sure. Because as I wrote in this column of surprises, I mean, Elizabeth Moss and Samira Wiley came on stage to present this award. It was like the producers were figuring, okay, it's going to, Ann Dowd's going to win again, or Yvonne Strahovski's going to win. They had been the most, the two most talked about possibilities for that category. Alexis Bledel was also nominated from Handmaids. It maybe, seemed like a sure thing. <laughs> maybe the three of them kind of split the vote is what hmm. I'm thinking. But I can't really argue with Dandy Newton winning because she was great on a show that I found kind of confounding, but that she at least made, you know, worth watching. And then also, I was so taken with Regina King's win in limited series or TV movie for the fact that, so this was for, is called... Seven Seconds. Seven Seconds, which, which is Netflix a, canceled. Which Netflix canceled, so they were able to enter it in the limited series category. And now she beat Laura Dern for the movie The Tale, which HBO picked up from Sundance. So to me, no category sort of exemplified this, like, what is TV? What is a movie? Categorization confusion that we're going through right now. Then this category, because like a show that should not have been a limited series became a limited series, a movie that was meant to be a theatrical film, but it become a, you know, a cable show or cable movie is entered and they like go head to head right there. And then it was so interesting that, that Regina won, won the award. Well, I heard a lot of people around me just saying, what is seven seconds? Not even ever knowing about it. So. Yeah. I mean, and talk about a grim show that deals with really hard realities. And this is not a dystopian future. This exists now and it's about race and it's about, you know, police and the black community. And it it's a really, really tough show to watch. It's good. But I understand why people are like, what is that? Because if you had a choice during this last year, which has been hard anyway, what are you going to watch? Let's turn on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You like really have it in for this show. <laughs> it's colorful. But also you it's gonna can't be... critique it until you learn how to say the name. Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. That's her protest. Yeah, it that's is. her protest. But also it's going to be so exciting that Regina is someone who I think is going to be with us for the next few months. She was, is also has a role in the upcoming Barry Jenkins film, If Beale Street Could Talk. And she got great buzz and attention out of the Toronto Film Festival She's for directing that. a ton. Yeah. Which is great. And now, Yvonne, I cannot let you go without talking about the great enigma that is Teddy Perkins. Teddy. One of the greatest episodes of this season of Atlanta was called Teddy Perkins. It starred a, a man credited as Teddy Perkins, but believed to be Donald Glover in, in heavy makeup. And startling many, many people, someone in a Teddy Perkins costume was sitting in Donald Glover's seat for a good part of the show. And you actually spoke to Teddy Perkins. Tell me about it. It was super surreal. And he was very tall. So then I knew it wasn't obviously Donald because we saw Donald in the show. Um, But yeah, everyone was trying to figure out who is it. But he sounded just the way Donald did in impersonating. So that's what really tripped me up. Like it sounded identical And I just asked him, what did you think about the show? And he was kind of like, are you press? 
And I said, yes. And he's like, then I thought it was a good show. <laughs> it was perfect. A true showman to the end. Yes. Yeah, and every, he went to the parties. Yeah, everyone and was, on social media thought it was Donald Glover at first, and then they saw Donald Glover like minutes later. And then they thought Lakeith. Right. And then they thought Donald's brother. But they, I think they were all pictured with each other at one point at yes. one of the parties. So. Yes. So we still don't know. We probably and, never will. And FX ha- has no comment yet about like who it is. or So we still have to investigate. It's the great mystery. But now is there something strangely poetic about the fact that Atlanta didn't win any awards on the broadcast. But still had people talking. <laughs> still had people talking. And that, but given the story of Teddy Perkins, like Teddy's not supposed to be a winner. Like I, the idea that like he walked away this sort of enigmatic loser, like to me just heightens the myth of the character of Teddy Perkins and makes that episode all the more terrifying. And Lorraine, Atlanta's a show we really haven't talked about that much here on the podcast. Were you, do you, were you surprised to see it not win i mean especially in this very ambitious second season where just the even the notions of storytelling of you know who are the main characters what is this show even about they really took some bold choices this season so were you surprised at all that that it ends up that those kind of decisions of making a show that bold didn't end up being an emmy winner i was surprised because i felt like the Emmys have been moving into taking more risks, you know, not this year, but I felt like moving up to this. It's like, okay, you know, Peak TV is kind of pushing the Emmys to take, you know, more uh, unconventional choices than they would have in the past. I thought that Atlanta this season was excellent. And, and, and as a matter of fact, there were many shows that were better in their second season this last year. And so there were, that's why you saw, I felt a lot of these shows like Handmaids, um, you know, like The Crown. But, uh, Atlanta, yeah, I was really surprised. And I, and I was frankly really disappointed because I felt like, um, if any one show sort of exemplified what a weird and wonderful place TV is in right now, Atlanta's it. And the Emmys didn't recognize that. And I thought that just tells you a lot more about the show and about the voting body than it does about television right now. And now is there a part of that? It's just that the Emmy voters like their sort of shiny new things that, I mean, Atlanta was recognized last year. So Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is the new show this year. I mean, is that part part of it, you think? Well, no, because a lot of the shows that, you know, they, that won this year were not new things in other categories, you know, whatever it was, Game of Thrones, the Americans. It's whatever they're caught up on, maybe. I couldn't catch up on this newest season of this show, but I'm caught up on this one. I don't know. It could be. I mean, and I, I do just think, again, there's overload, and I think people go back to what's familiar, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's got to be a show that you're familiar with. Maybe it's a theme you're familiar with. You know, maybe it's something that's just more relatable because you need your comfort food. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't see that there were other shows that were like-minded that could have canceled out a vote for Atlanta because there isn't anything out there that's like Atlanta. I know maybe as a way to sort of wrap up our conversation on a, on a positive note, I want to ask each of you, if you could have bestowed one award last night, like who would you have wanted? And it doesn't even have to be someone who was nominated. Who would you have liked to have seen gotten an award last night? Yvonne? I really would have liked to see Carrie Russell win. I would have liked to see, Rita Moreno recognized in one of in you know the comedy side. Those are my thoughts. First, I think Issa Rae. 
I wanted, I really want Issa Rae to win something because the writing and just the performances and the whole concept of Insecure is so great. But I think Hannah Gadsby, <laughs> she wasn't nominated, but I just wanted to win hosting forever. <laughs> That's a curse on her, but it would be a plus for us. And Glenn? Oh, I'm, I gotta, you know, come full circle and say Teddy Perkins for guest actor, but that wouldn't have been on last night's show to have been on the, creative arts emmys the weekend before and we and that was one emmy that atlanta actually won for cat williams Mm -hmm. the uh season two opener alligator man which just was one of so many great atlanta episodes alligator man woods teddy perkins you can keep listing those episodes and um can you list any marvelous mrs mazel <laughs> no, I won't Aww. even say the name of the Maisel. show. Right? Maisel, <laughs> Maisel. Um, no, what about that one where she goes to a comedy club and finds her voice? Oh wait, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah, but it was eight hours of really. I mean, when you go back to it, it's just that's why it won. I was trying to figure it out last night because um, I had picked Atlanta and, but marvelous Mrs. Maisel, great production value, probably a lot of the. Um, craftspeople voted for it a woman finding her voice it was just a beautifully mounted show well acted why is that surprising that it won over the weird oddball show i guess it shouldn't be i always like to be super on brand so i i will say i wish that david lynch had won for directing for twin peaks the return if for no other reason that i would like to have seen his speech and so with that, we're, we're going to wrap up this post-Emmys edition of The Real. Lorraine, where can people find you online? Twitter at Lorraine Ollie. Yvonne? You can find me on Twitter at Via Really. Glenn? Uh, Twitter at Glenn Whip, two N's, two P's. And I'm, of course, at Indie Focus. And so for everyone here at the LA Times Studios and The Real, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.